Welcome to episode 16 of the Leading in Legacy podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. I'm your host, Billy Schultz. During this time of staying at home and sheltering in place to flatten the curve, we're going to be bringing you weekly episodes of this podcast. And did you know that Leading in Legacy is not our only digital engagement opportunity? If you're connected with the Concordia St. Paul community, we have other offerings on our website, uh, including our Digital Learning Hub, which is a webinar platform with regular presentations about life and career topics from a variety of experts. We also continue our virtual alumni book club, and we have lots more opportunities uh, in one central landing place on our website, uh, and you can reach those at ave.csp.edu learning. We also continue fundraising for our student emergency aid fund, which is called the Barnabas Fund. To date, we've raised nearly $10,000 toward our $50,000 goal. These funds will be given to students directly from the financial aid office, uh, students who have the most urgent needs to help them pay for things like their tuition, living expenses, and technology as we all deal with the disruptions from the COVID-19 pandemic. Like I said before, we're moving to a weekly podcast for the time being, and as we started last week with Dr. Thomas Saylor talking about the 1918 flu pandemic, we're continuing to look at the implications of what's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic from the perspective of various faculty and staff at Concordia. Today's guest is Dr. Sally Boss, Professor of Education at Concordia. With an impressive career as an educator, administrator, and school psychologist, Sally brings a wealth of experience and expertise in helping parents and children navigate the new reality of virtual schooling and their fears and worries about living in a time of pandemic. Good morning. Good morning, Sally. How are you? (laughs) I'm really great. How are you? I'm doing well myself. It's fun to uh, be able to interact uh, digitally here. Yeah, for sure. That's all we're doing these days, you know, yes. gotta stay distance. And so this information we're going to talk about today works, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or we're just in the middle of life. So it'll be fun to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, can you introduce yourself, uh, share a little bit about how long you've been at Concordia and what your background is? Sure, sure. I'm happy to do that. So I'm Dr. Sally Boss. I am a professor at Concordia University, St. Paul. Uh, This is my 20th year of being at Concordia, so I've been there for a long time now. Um, Prior to coming to Concordia, I served as a school psychologist in Anoka Hennepin School District. So in my career, I've been a teacher. I've been a principal, I've been a school psychologist, and then a professor because I really felt that had an opportunity to really impact the world by um, preparing next the next generation, next generations of teachers. And so I'm really pleased to be able to do that. So um, a couple of years ago, I was president of the National Association of School Psychologists. So I was able to travel all over the United States and across the world. Um, talking about how important the field of school psychology is and how important it is to serve the children of our nation and around the world. Most recently, I've been involved in the International Association of School Psychologists running for president of that association. Mm -hmm. And um, that association reaches out to 57 different countries. And we are very focused on the well-being of children. And so just this conversation totally fits with the work that I've been doing for quite a while. Last year, I was um, 
had the opportunity to be in China for most of the year. I was on sabbatical and helping Concordia to build an exchange program of teachers and students they call their professors teachers, so teachers and students. Um, and we have three of those professors that I became friends with last year are here. And they're, of course, experiencing a very different life yes. um, here than what we thought it was going to be like for them. Two of them have brought their children, their boys, seven-year-old boys, and one of the gals brought her, um, brought her husband along. So he's an oil painter. So he's had some Con connections at Concordia as well. So all of that to say um, opportunities for my whole career really to work with children from around the world. And I'm very pleased um, today to really be focused on how can we help these children, but most of all, how do we help their parents as they're in new roles with children at home? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very, very different time. And I don't have kids at home yet. Um, but uh, my wife is pregnant due in uh, about seven weeks. So it's interesting just to think about, okay, what what we're experiencing getting ready to have kids. But there's a lot of parents experiencing a whole new reality here with their kids being home and they're trying to work at home. Um, and everything's happening in, in this, uh, you know, maybe. Right, exactly. Exactly. My husband and I were talking about that this morning uh, about um, how blessed we are that our children are grown and we're not doing that, but we're well connected to them online. Our son and his wife are out in California. Our daughter and her husband are over in St. Paul and our grandchildren are home with them. So they're one is a Concordia student in early childhood, Gretel, and the other is uh, studying philosophy and mathematics at the University of Minnesota. So they're, they're home. So they're a, a real tight little family in their <laughs> house. Now everybody's doing their work. And, uh, but it's a different than when your children are very small. So yeah. you, I'm sure you're looking forward to this baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so how should parents approach having their children at home um, for this longer period of time, longer than just a spring break, maybe? Sure. I think one of the things to keep in mind for everyone is if you can develop a schedule that works for your family. Not every family is exactly alike. We're all actually quite different in the way we structure our time in our family. So some people get up really early in the morning. Some people get up later. Some people stay up long. Some people don't. Some people like to eat breakfast. Some don't. Some people like lunch. Some don't. There are just so many different things to think about. But I think the most important thing is to think about what works for your family. And what works for your family is just fine. I think what we worry about as parents with this scenario that we have right now, we're feeling some new responsibilities that we haven't necessarily necessarily had before. Some people have, you know, been busy being attorneys and lawyers or uh, house cleaners or whatever the profession might happen to be, and not used to being a teacher of children. And so as we think about coming into this kind of environment, we have to decide, okay, so what can I do? How can I follow what the schools have asked me to do? Mm -hmm. But how does it fit into my day? And how will it fit into my child's day? 
and ch children are certainly used to going to school. Some of them go very early to school, some as early as starting at, at 7.20, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And then others are going later in the day, depending on transportation, et cetera. So for us as parents, and I'm just going to put myself into that role right now, because even though I'm a grandparent and I'm home without small children, I want to put that hat on while we talk today and say some things that I think might really help parents as they're developing their schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you talk about the importance of schedules and routines. Um, what about activities? What, what can be meaningful for, for families to do together uh, to help children feel a sense of, of, of that routine and of uh, that connection that's so important that they get during the school day? Sure. Well, before they ever get around to the school part, there are all those getting ready things to do in the morning. So thinking about, okay, so wouldn't it really help if we put out the clothing that we were going to wear the night before? So thinking about letting the children choose what it is that they're going to wear, but letting them put that out and lay it in a place where they can always do that the same way every evening. So to put their food, their, not their food, but their clothing out. So something to wear on the top and the bottom. We always just say top and bottom, you know, as long as you've got something in the top and bottom, it doesn't have to perfectly match, but it, but at least you have those things and find your socks because now we're running around in the house without shoes most of the time. And so either barefoot or with socks is a good, a good plan. So that just that very simple thing will help start the morning a, a little bit better. I always had my children decide what it was they were going to eat for breakfast the night before. It seemed to make things so much more smooth in the morning. If I knew, were they going to be cereal eaters? Were they going to be noodle eaters? Were they going to eat leftover cold pizza? So <laughs> whatever seemed to be their plan from the night before. So I was also teaching during this time when our children were little. And so I had to be organized as well. So we would get our clothing ready. We would decide what we were going to have for breakfast. And the other thing that we would do is we would put our things in our things that were going to school in a bag by the front door. And so it made it much easier that when it was time to leave, when it was time for the bus or when I was taking them to school, that we could, we knew that our things were right by the front door and we could just pick that bag up and it had everything that we needed. So a lot of um, structure in that regard. Uh, sometimes that doesn't feel comfortable for some parents. They would rather lay things out on a table or they would like to put them in a box by the door. Whatever whatever happens to work, as long as you feel like before you go to bed that you're really ready for the day. So that's an important piece. Uh, another, you know, we had some rules in our family too about you have to get up and make your bed. That is not the same in every family, but that but there should be certain rules that you have, certain plans that you have for your family of what happens in that hour before you leave the door. And so um, some children like to get up really early and some do not. So you have to figure out what's going to work for you. 
since we're not leaving the house, still having that bag of the things that we're going to be working with in, a, in the same place every day to make it easier to transition from getting up, uh, having something to eat. I'm not even going to call it breakfast, really, because it's not all that important that we call it breakfast, but that we have something to eat to give us energy for the day. So another piece that fits into that getting ready part, that scheduling part is some kind of exercise in the morning. Mm. And so that exercise might be, you know, touch your toes, reach for the ceiling, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. But right now we have to stay a little ways away from each other. So thinking about how, how to do that in your family so that everyone's safe. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do, how can parents, um, Help their kids best succeed with with the schoolwork um, that's being given to them um, remotely. How how can they help their children um, do that work well and um, keep keep that learning happening in a new way? Well, I was I was reading some of the things that were um, put out by some of the school districts, and they're saying that if you give your children 120 minutes during the day, that that's enough focus. And so thinking about, so how do you want to do that? How can you break that into small pieces? And be aware that not everything needs to happen on the computer. Mm -hmm. A lot of learning happens other in other ways. And as I was preparing for this, it made, took me back to some time where I was thinking about how we used to take our kids um, to various different, um, oh, I want to say like visiting the San Diego Zoo. Okay, well, mm -hmm. could we take off from Minnesota and go visit there? No, we couldn't do that. But it's there are some very educational uh, videos that you can watch about various different places. My husband and I actually watched one last night about trains, about oh, taking fun. a train, taking a train trip from the East Coast to the West Coast. And it was very interesting and a great thing to do if you're studying geography, because it talked about all these different major cities that the trains went through, different kinds of trains, um, how they operate, how they were built, you know, all kinds of things like that. So thinking about how can you take what might be a, a standard that the school district is asking you to meet by doing certain things, you may decide that there's a different way to accomplish that than what they put on the piece of paper or what they put into the lesson that is online. So thinking carefully about how can I, as a parent, be thinking about Hmm, this is an interesting standard. We didn't have to meet standards or we didn't know we did when we were in school, but this is something that's required. And so I will help my child to meet the standard by this specific way. Another thing that's great for parents is, you know, the night before, after your kiddos go to bed, is to look at what the lessons are for tomorrow, for the next day, and kind of make some of those decisions. Because some things are going to fit your children really well. Mm -hmm. And some things are going to be like, where in the world did they get that? Yeah. You know, and so giving yourself permission to modify and adjust is a really good thing, because that's actually what 
teachers are doing all day long as they're teaching children in school. I know there were times when I thought, okay, I'm, I was, I was a high school teacher and I was teaching about various different books that just, and, and about writing, reading and writing were the, my, my deal. And so as I, thought about it, I would say, well, you know, it looks like this lesson should be this to meet this standard, but oh my goodness, there are some particular people in my class that I know they're just not going to find this very interesting. So I would modify it a little bit. And I think that as parents, we can do that too. I think yeah, having, they know their kids having, well, so yeah, it helps right? to be able to individualize when they they're around them they know you their personalities are, and their strengths and the weaknesses exactly you know god has given us some great tools to use and so we have to just feel free that we can use them <laughs> i think that's important Absolutely. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah now you mentioned uh briefly that not everything has to be on a computer screen um or a tv screen um yeah. How important is that screen time balance these days? Um, it's a lot easier, I think, to uh, maybe for parents to change the limits that they've set for their children uh, mm -hmm. because there just aren't as many things that can fill the time when you're stuck at home. How, how can parents help balance that for their children? I think that we do have to be very cautious about screen time. And right now there are so many things that are on the news that are very scary for children. And so we need to be cautious about the news in particular. Um, so I just want to say something really quick about that. I think that because there is so much uh, about the virus that is uh, part of the pandemic that we need to make sure that we talk with our, our children to answer their questions. We don't need to give them a lot of information, but we need to, when they have a question, we just need to answer it straight up. And so thinking about screen time, uh, I think we have to look at, not have to, we need to look at how much time our children are spending in front of the screen. It's very easy as a parent to say, oh, sit down and watch this, you know, and not having seen whatever that cartoon is or mm -hmm. whatever is really in the content of that particular thing. Sometimes our children are watching things that we later on wish that they hadn't seen. And so for us to decide ahead of time what we want them to see and to plan their day. So you have to check the newspaper, you have to check online to see what's going to be on and which times you think that your, your child um, can benefit by watching this. Otherwise, stay away from that, use books, have them writing, have them drawing, have them painting, having them work with clay, having them do something other than watching the screen. Because especially now that the lessons that are coming to them are coming on the screen, we want to make sure that we don't just push them to that screen all the time, that we instead find some other things for them to do. You know, I was just thinking when we were talking about breakfast earlier, another thing came to my mind was about 
how important it is to involve children in putting silverware on the table, a napkin or something like that, and then having them clear the table and put the dishes in the dishwasher if you have one or help to wash the dishes if you don't have a dishwasher. So thinking about how can we involve children in the day-to-day -day routines that it takes to run a family. Yeah, there's a lot of chores probably that they could help with during the day that they wouldn't otherwise be able to engage right. with. Right. Like, for example, folding the towels that come out of the um, the dryer, mm -hmm. you know, or helping to put clothes in the washer, help measuring how much soap goes in, you know, how much. All of those things are um, mathematical skills for one, mm -hmm. you know, just even folding the washcloths, you can talk about thirds, fourths, however <laughs> you fold your, your things and, or if you roll them up, however you do that, but talk about it in a mathematical way. I think sometimes we don't realize how much teaching happens in just the day-to-day -day routine. And so making sure that those routines are things that they're gonna benefit from, of course. And then after a while, they're gonna grow up and then they're gonna have families and then they're gonna need to know those skills too, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. I'm thinking even like baking could be a fun thing. Um, you know, yeah. that's again, yeah, using a lot of math, uh, there's science involved with, with how things bake and cook and, um great learning right. opportunities and in in those things that you're already going to be doing you're going to be making food um and so yeah yes we will because thing. we're not going out for <laughs> dinner right yeah that's you're so right about that i was thinking about <clears throat> the time that that we were using uh, baking soda and vinegar to make these explosions that yeah. the kids just absolutely adored, you know, but when we talked about, so when would we ever use something like that and think about it is part of cooking. So the reason that um, items are listed in a certain way on a recipe is because of the chemistry pieces of that. Our, our son's a biochemist, a molecular biologist, and I know one of the I knew that he was going to be a chemist way before, <laughs> way before he became one, because those were the things that he loved about baking was like, if you put the ingredients in, in a different order, will that change what comes out? And it, indeed it does. And so talking about that and having the opportunity for kiddos to, um, experience what it's like to to make various different things so you can make cookies or you can make you know rice crispy bars or things like that but then there are other things that you can make too that are actually chemistry experiences experiments and you can find some of those online to to do with the kids too so yeah yeah that's so cool <laughs> So for, for helping children socialize, it can be really tough. I mean, maybe if they have siblings at home, there's still some interaction with people in, in their peer group. But, but for those who maybe um, don't have that, how can they best continue to practice their socialization uh, with sure. their peers? Sure. One of the things that I was listening to a radio station this morning when I first got up and they were talking about um, children putting things in the windows of their house or their apartment. And when people went by, they would see these things and they could count like how, how many teddy bears will we see in this block? Will people <laughs> put, you know, how many people are putting out teddy bears? How many people are, are putting out heart shaped uh, pictures or, you know, various different things. And so that's one way and the kiddos can, uh, when they, 
a lot of the kids have been sitting at the front windows, especially on the rainy days they were. <clears throat> and when we would walk by, we would uh, see, see them. And so we would wave or whatever. Um, we had, uh, for example, our granddaughter had a birthday this last week and we knew that we couldn't really get together for a party. So we took her, we, we called on the phone and we said, we're bringing your presents over. We will put them on the front step of mm. your house. And so I made a big sign that said, happy birthday. And then we drove over there and we had this sign and we stood, they have a front window and we stood outside and we sang happy birthday oh, together <laughs> with the sign. <laughs> and then she, um, then we drove away and then she got the presents, took them in the, in the house. And then her mom took a video of her opening the presents and then sent it to us. So for us, the hardest thing was not sitting down and enjoying each present. They mm -hmm. were not a lot of presents, but a lot of small presents and not being able to see the joy on her face when she opened them when we were together. But instead we had the video. So then we could look at that and then we could call and say, oh, this was so great. We loved seeing when you opened this package and whatever. So that's another way, but it's using technology, but it's not the same as being together. So we have to think about how we can, can do that. So with another thing that's happening with a, a lot of our little friends from, from our church, um, there is another friend, a mom, who is reading stories to the children at seven o'clock every evening mm. online. And so a lot of the kiddos get online and then they use, they, um, their parents use their computer and so they can, the children can see each other and one of the moms is reading. So there are some creative ways of continuing those relationships. Even one of the things that um, a pastor on Sunday morning, of course, our service is online and he has two little children and a wife. Mm -hmm. And so they, and okay, so there's, there's more to that, but anyway, they took part of um, giving the greeting. So uh, pastor Adam would start and then each one of the children and his wife said part of the greeting. And then cool. another family, <laughs> would come in and they had did part of the music and so they had they had a bass player and a cello player <laughs> and a guitarist and they played part of the service and then we switched over to another family in a different place doing something else so you know it still we can continue to see each other even if we aren't next to each other and i think we need to do that we just need to keep those connections all the time so more ideas yeah that's so important i think because um it's easy to, to take for granted the tools that we have at our disposal to stay connected with people um you know it, it doesn't feel like a chore anymore uh, sometimes to stay in touch it's like no this is a necessity like we have to continue to be talking with our loved ones and our friends and, right. and stay in touch with people Right. And it's not just the children, it's the adults as well. I know this morning I was on a call with a, a friend. We have a, a one, our Minnesota School Psychology Association has a legislative meeting on, to, on Tuesday morning at eight o'clock. So there are a team of us that get together and we are on Zoom. And after we, uh, we listen to each other, talk about the 
things we needed to talk about. And then we were just checking in to see how everyone's doing. And one of the gals has horses. So she was telling us about her horses. And, and she also had a dog that had to go to the vet. And we, so we heard about that story. But then at the end, it what was so interesting was after we all said goodbye and thanked each other for the call, a couple of minutes later, one of the people on the call sent a very sweet thank you note that went out to everybody and it had flowers on it. It was just very, you know, it was just, it was just really kind and sweet. And I think sometimes just those um, simple reach out things to people mm -hmm. are just, they're so valuable. I think part of it is because we miss being able to see each other and giving each other a hug, but we've got to find new ways to do that. Yeah, you kind of miss uh, the small talk, even just the little, <laughs> you know, popping by people's cubicles and and yeah. saying hi and talk about, you know, I mean, obviously, we don't have sporting events now, but even just those little things you talk about, oh, did you see the game last night? And it's like, there, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the overall grief that people are feeling is, is just that that connection that the, the little things that build relationships um, are harder now. <laughs> they, they are harder, but we can't give up right no we're, we're just really so blessed those of us who are we're talking about right now are not sick and mm -hmm. we are doing well so we have a lot to be thankful for and for those who are really sick who are dealing with the virus or other kinds of illnesses then we need to be there to support them as well because we can't like go over and take them a plate of cookies, you know, mm -hmm. or we, we can't go over and give them a hug or, or help them in the site where they are. Or you think about all the grandmas and grandpas that are in care facilities right now and people can't go to visit yeah. them. So, so some so of that sad. is so, yeah, is so sad. So it's nice that we have windows in our facilities, right? And mm -hmm. you can go out and stand outside and you can wave and you can show a picture and you can take a picture and there's so many things that we can do to stay connected with each other and we must really remember to do that it's so critical so critical. yeah and, and that really touches on the mental health piece that i mean this is a significant time for for ev everybody and anybody um to be aware of their their own mental health and and what they can do to um stave off um even just you know, mild uh, depression and things right, like exactly. that at this time. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about kids and their their mental health and what they're experiencing. Sure, and, and you sure. touched on it before a little bit, you know, you know, answering their questions directly. Um, yes. Do you find it, it's important to be proactive to talk about what's happening uh, with with the COVID pandemic? Or do you think it's it's a situation where really to wait and see what questions they have and then address um, what they're going through? I think that we need to tell them because they, they're going to wonder why we're all at home. Mm -hmm. And so we need to say that there's some significant health issues that are happening and we want to make sure that you don't get sick. And so then if they ask a question about it, then you, then you talk about it. It's important that you give them straight answers, but you don't have to answer more than their question. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, some people think, oh, I have to tell them everything that's going on and how they might, uh, they can 
how all these people are dying. Well, that's not the most important information right now. The most important information is how are we as our family going to stay safe? And how are we going to be healthy? And how are we going to look forward to what we can do a few months from now that we can't do? Um, in one of the things I was looking at, I came across this. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see yes, that? Yes, I can. Okay. All right. It's a book called Dave the Dog is Worried About the Coronavirus, a Nurse Dottie hmm. book. And Nurse Dottie writes books about lots of different kinds of things. And so I can send you the link that if you want to add this to the the resources that I will so send make that you. Available. Yeah. And that then you can great. make that available. But it's a great book. It's like maybe about 18 pages long. It's not real long. And the, and it's big pages with lots of big pictures. <laughs> and it's, it's much more colorful than this looks like. But anyway, but I think that it um, might be something that you'd like to sh share with those that are listening to your podcast. Um, I also uh, found another piece that's called Care for the Caregivers Tip for Families and Educators. Hmm. And I thought this was a really interesting piece, too, that talks about um, burnout and how we can get burned out trying tr trying to stay happy, right? Yeah. It's a lot, of, a lot of work. And so you talk about the mental health pieces of trying to be positive. And we read a lot about positive psychology today and how important it is for us to um, make sure that our attitude is one that is positive and that we are doing everything we can to build people up. Is it okay to feel anxious? Yes, mm -hmm. it is, because this is a difficult time. And I think it's important for us to recognize that all of us are feeling anxious about different things. There are moments when I just, when I start to think about how big all of this is, that it just takes my breath away. Mm -hmm. And then I think, yes, that is true. And it's okay that I feel that way, because that's human. And then I think, okay, and so then the positive things. So what are some of the positive things that have come from all of this? We have fewer cars out driving, so the pollution has gone down. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, as I was outside yesterday, I saw that there are some cardinals and some blue jays building their nests. They have no idea that there's mm -hmm. a pandemic going yeah. on. They are just going on with life the way they always do. And so I think that our opportunities to vacillate from feeling anxious and worried can be helped by thinking about things that are going on that have always happened that are very positive. And I know I was thinking about uh, when there was some conversation about all of this being over by Easter. Wouldn't that have been great? All mm -hmm. this happened during Lent. Now here comes Easter Sunday. And wouldn't that be great? But that's not exactly the way things are going to happen this time. And so, or this time, like there's ever been a time like this before. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But just thinking about how we can honor each other and honor our faith and honor our concerns for one another and be really um, full of care for those that are around us anyway. So this is another really good piece that I will send you. Yeah. That is um, called Care for the Caregivers, Tips for Families and Educators. It talks about take, 
taking care of yourself um, physically, thinking about the behavioral and social reactions and being careful about chemical use and abuse, uh, making sure that we're um, having healthy habits. Um, yeah, anyway, I think this is a really good piece that I will share with you. I had another whole packet here all ready to share with you as well. Oh, and awesome. it's tips for caregivers and parents on schooling at home. What role do executive skills have? Oh. So. Interesting. I just think that this would be really great for the people that are watching your podcast. So I, um, one of the things that it in here, there's a section on executive skill building and it talks about the capacity to think before you act and in a young child waiting for a short period without being disruptive is an, an example of the response and um, and then it might be an adolescent would be, this would be demonstrated by a referee call without any argument. Anyway, this packet in here also has, um, some visual schedules that I thought might be helpful if parents are trying to build a schedule and how to, how to go about that. And it has actually some examples of schedules. So I, I thought I would share some of those and then how to, you know, what is my goal for the day? And, you know, what went well today? What didn't go so well? What, what will I do tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So some of those kinds of things that I thought would be, be really helpful. And all of that helps a child and an adult's well-being and our mental health to know that we are um, being productive. It's something yeah. that we, we all want to be is productive. And so, yeah. Well, that's even a silver lining, I think, too, is the opportunity uh, with a lot of these resources to, to maybe develop some new habits of intentionality within our, our own personal lifestyle and habits and, and within our families, too, because um, like, like we've talked, the, the, the importance of setting the routines and everything, maybe this is the start of, of something new for, for our listeners' families, uh, for them to be able to, to chart a course forward so that even after this is all over and, and life returns to, to normal. Um, <laughs> whatever that is, right? <laughs> whatever that actually ends up being and whenever that actually is, um, yeah. that, that now you know, they've, they've instituted some new things within their houses and, and just you know, how cool would that be? I think that would be really awesome. You know, I think about our cars have been sitting in the driveway now for uh, quite a few days mm -hmm. and thinking about, you know, isn't that great that instead of going every time right to the car to go somewhere, then instead we're walking there. Yeah. What a great idea. You know, our grocery store is not that far from us. It's maybe about five or six blocks away. Mm. So we can we can walk to Cub if we need something. You know, so thinking about how do we involve our children in just that walk and how important that is because we can talk about, okay, so how how many steps does it take to make a block? <laughs> And then how many, once we figure that out, okay, so how many blocks is it to come? So how many steps is that going to be? And then if we take a different way home, will it be 
more steps or fewer steps, you know, and thinking about the children helping us to decide what it is that we really need for groceries for the next two weeks, because we're being told to not go to the grocery store and thus we need two weeks worth of groceries. And so thinking about, okay, let's make that list of what we need and which things do we really need? And which things do we just want? Like, do we really need that bag of chips? Do we really, or do we need to get some oranges? Or, you know, what kinds of things like that? And then helping them figure out, okay, so how much is this going to cost us when we go to the grocery store? So not only is there the math of going and coming, but there is the math of what you're doing when you're at the grocery store. So it's not just math, but it's also reading and looking at the container and seeing what's actually in this thing that we're going to buy. And is that really good for us? Because we're really worried about our health. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts about, about uh, working with your, your kids and with your family during this time? I would say my closing thoughts are be flexible. Know that whatever you decide for the day, if it's focused on education and care, those are the two important things for us. And keep your faith strong mm -hmm. because as everybody keeps telling us, we're going to get through this and our lives are going to be better on the other side. And we have to just think about how we can share what we have learned with other people around the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, your insight, your thoughts and, and your experience with us. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. All right. Blessings. Same to you. Thanks. Talk to you later. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to Sally for being on the podcast today and sharing her insight and her expertise on helping your children navigate what's happening with the COVID pandemic. We hope you join us next week as I have an interview with uh, Dr. Lanny Huberty, who teaches in kinesiology and sport management at Concordia, as well as her daughter Paxton, who is a Concordia alumna and works in the health field. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about physical wellness and um, what to do uh, to keep yourself well during this time. Thanks for listening to Leading in Legacy. Hope you stay safe and healthy and have a great day.